What's up, guys? Welcome to the Laced Up Podcast. Are we being trolled right now, Mike? What the fuck? Can I walk off right now? Put that on a poster. Whoa! Now it's just an all-star game right now. You're such a bully! You don't deserve LeBron James, all right? It's insane. And you deserve exactly what happened to Chicago over the past decade. <laughs> so how'd you and your ex-girlfriend break that? <laughs> Bro! <laughs> Kidding! Was it because you were bad at basketball? <laughs> yeah. Yes! Do you know um, we got ripped for recording in our bedrooms? I don't record in a bedroom, but you, but everyone else. <laughs> did you see oh, the we, comment? Oh, we did. Did you I see did that not comment? see that comment? No, it wasn't. It honestly didn't. It wasn't that great of a comment. It was like it was like, why am I supposed to listen to these guys' basketball opinions if they're just sitting in their room and look like they barely take care of themselves? <laughs> because because basketball beats be everything fair, else, like, bro. I was like five weeks away removed from a haircut that I should have had five weeks ago. Uh, rolling out of bed. <laughs> it's like go brush your teeth, you jackass! Like, what are you doing talking about basketball? Like, uh, was, yeah, I know it's kind of crazy that like what our basketball opinion isn't valid because we are in a bedroom. Um, I'm not really sure, but okay. Anyway, um, what's up, what's guys? Up, guys? <laughs> we are back with the Lace Up podcast. I'm here with Flight Mike and Get Like Coop. What's good, guys? Coming to you yo. live from my bedroom. How are you guys, man? It's been a minute. Yeah. Um, I think, yo, I think Mike is in high spirits, and I think Coop might be a little disappointed because if you guys don't know, we are currently in a season long challenge where we guessed the standings, we guessed the awards. And that's all we guessed. We guessed two things, but we are doing a whole competition based on it. We will, uh, we'll link all of our picks down below if you want to see them, but we do need a forfeit for the loser. Okay. So we don't currently have one. Uh, we want it to be pretty bad. Um, keep in mind, Coop is tall. So make it compared to like something that a tall person would hate because I'm confident in myself. Coop's got the Lakers as the number one seed in the West. I don't know if it's going to work mm -hmm. out. They just won last night, by the way. They beat the Rockets, so. Oh, they beat Woo! they beat the team that you we, picked 14th in the West. Yo, a win is a win <laughs> at the end of the day. That's all. The, the good teams find a way to win, and unfortunately, as a Pelicans fan, I'm learning that the very hard way. All of our games have been close. I love how this turned Coop into the Laker fan. Yeah, yeah. Coop is the residential Laker fan because Zion has abandoned him as a man. Um, and I <laughs> am a Rockets fan. What? No, I'm, I'm Pelicans and Rockets. I'm Pelicans. What? Right. You, you, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why can't I be a Rockets fan? You can be a Rockets fan. I mean, I'm okay. I stay in Houston, bro. I, they were my first team. God, everyone that's listening to this, I feel like, you know, we can agree that um, you should only have one team. Every disagree. Especially in the team. same Big conference. Disagree. Especially in the same conference. Big disagree. Flight Mike, what do you think about that? Bro, every single week it seems like you got a new team. It's oh, like one week it's the Pelicans, next the week it's the Mike, Lakers, next week it's Houston. No, no, what do you mean? Right I've been, ever I'm, since you've known me, I've I'm been a Laker fan. No, you can't do that. This guy literally went for the Clippers and Lakers. You can't do what? Like, I don't go for the. I don't go for the Clippers. I've yes, never you did. gone You're for the liar. Clippers. You are a liar. No, it's, it happened years. It happened during Lob City. It happened during Lob City, but I have not forgot. 
I have never. I mean, I, all right. I was kind of like, okay, if the Lakers are irrelevant, yeah, I wouldn't mind the Clippers. This was back when, like, Lob City, bear in mind, the Clippers were an absolute joke of a franchise, and that was when they were first starting to contend. So, fine, I'll give you that. I did root you for them the a little bit. You I mean, yeah. All right. Well, okay. Yeah. Um, before this gets too far, uh, I will. I will say I agree. You know what? I'll give you a pass in terms of like your team is uh disappointing and not playing no, very well so you want but, a team but, that's exciting but the problem no, for me but, here personally is mike's situation here was that he was you know cheering on the clippers because the lakers sucked at that point correct yeah we, we yeah so we that's stunk. the thing when your team sucks and you cheer for a good team i get it i don't agree with being like too emotionally invested in it you know like i've had my teams during the playoffs where I like i'm like okay i want this team to win but I don't know about two full teams like you. Like, the Rockets are also rebuilding. No. But, well, but the Rockets look, are rebuilding look, stronger than let, the Pelicans. Let me tell my story. So, I was a Rockets fan. That was my first team. Um, we moved to Houston when I was, like, five years old, right? So, I was a Drexler guy. I love the Rockets, bro. And um, New Orleans didn't have a team at that time. So, like, 2002, 2003, New Orleans finally got a team. You know, I'm from New Orleans. My family's down there. So, I just started going for... Uh, for the Hornets, and they they were pretty good for 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 uh, a good amount of time, but you know that didn't factor into me cheering for them. And you know now you know I reside in Houston, I stay in Houston. The fact of the matter is, if I was a Pelicans fan, it'd be a, like if I was only a Pelicans fan, bro, it'd be it'd be rough, like be too you know? depressing. Yeah. Okay. It'd be too, it'd be, it, I think they're literally at that point with this Zion Williamson situation, which we'll get to later. Wait, I feel like we should but, just get uh, into it now as we're... Yeah, we might as well. We, we should. Segue. So for everyone who doesn't know, um, Mike, did you want to say something real quick? No, no, I didn't want to say anything. Keep okay. Going. So for everyone who doesn't know, uh, you know, the Zion, this whole controversy, this whole drama has been going on for a while at this point. We have, you know... We've heard rumblings, rumors that he's over 300 pounds. He certainly looked like that. We've seen the infamous Mountain Dew commercial, uh, the Doritos commercial, that whole thing. We've seen just how Zion looked during press conferences. The man's over 300 pounds, you know, or he at least he was. We're not exactly sure what's happening fully at this point. However, as it currently stands, uh, there were a few tweets yesterday that basically came out and said that Zion is not going to be uh, playing basically at least in the next three weeks minimum and that he's still not cleared for five on five action and uh if you didn't know i'm sure tom will put it right now like here was the here's the footage of the knicks game of zion going you know just doing a normal defensive you know slide drill i guess he was doing like left to right and also uh you know Clyde Frazier himself uh, said that Zion was looking a little, a little heavy and he needed to get the weight off. So here we stand currently. It's, uh, you know, about seven to eight games into the season. Zion has still not only not got it, like lost the weight, but it feels like it's the exact same amount of weight. Like, am I crazy here? No, uh, if anything, it almost feels like the situation is getting worse. Um, hopefully it's not. Now, I watched the TNT game last night with my New Orleans Pelicans playing the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Charles Barkley said that last season, Zion played at 10% body fat. And, you know, even in, in my opinion, I still think that, unfortunately, he was too heavy last season. It's not to say he's out of shape or, you know, he's not a spectacular talent or something like that. It's just that he puts so much pressure on his joints and his body 
the way he plays is so unique that I just think he needs to drop some weight. And I'm, I'm not just talking about fat. Like, you know, if it, if it has to be dropping some muscle, I think he has to do that. The basketball season's a long ass season, bro. Uh, it's rigorous. You want to be as conditioned and as lean as possible to complete this season. I feel like you're even more sensitive to this coop because you recently tore your Achilles. So like you, do you you like, do you like cringe every time you see Zion Williamson? Like do drills, man? Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a physician. So when, when Boogie tore his Achilles, I don't want to say it's like something you could see coming, but his play style, I mean, the guy was like, like giant and, um, you know, for for a guy like Boogie, like he was playing like dang, he was down there playing point guard in New Orleans. So for somebody like Boogie to be playing like that, bring the ball up court, you know, doing those quick cuts at his size, it's, it's just so scary. And it's unfortunate that Boogie had to have something happen in order for him to really, really get into taking his body seriously. Because, you know, after uh, the injury started piling up, he slimmed down a little bit. And normally something like that has to happen for these guys in order to get you know, serious about, about their body. Yeah. Um, and with the case of DeMarcus cousins, of course, we know it was too late at that point in time. Um, you know, as soon as he started getting injured, sure. You know, he lost the weight, but I mean, DeMarcus cousins has not been a relevant really basketball player since the NBA finals that he randomly appeared in and was, you know, with the golden state warriors, but you know, he's been on and off injured really just has not been the same all-star level player which is scary with zion and i think the whole this whole situation one is weird i do want to point out that um someone mentioned something that you know popped into my head where it was like last year yeah you mentioned 10 percent body fat last summer on july 3rd 2020 the story was zion williamson lost 25 pounds of, of fat and added 10 pounds of muscle and that was when he had the whole Bane look going, uh, you might remember. And we were like, okay, now Zion's about to be a monster. And he came out and averaged 27 a game, shot over 61%, a 27 PER was, uh, you know, there have been three players in NBA history to ever average 26 a game, at least, even at the age of 20. Those are Luka, LeBron, and Zion. So, you know, it's absolutely elite company, but... Um, you know, we've all made videos on Zion. I recently made one and the problem that I feel like, um, and we talked about this on the last pod is just the lack of accountability where it just comes back to even, you know, Charles Barkley is the perfect person I would say to compare to this, you know, he had a weight problem throughout all of college In college. He was literally called the round mound of rebound. He was called like the most random, the leaning tower of Pisa. He was called just like very demeaning fat nicknames that were okay back then to call him. But yeah, so he was called a bunch of stuff, but, and he gained about something like 20 pounds before the draft because he didn't want the Sixers to draft him. All that's fine and good. Chuck didn't start his first 15 games of his career. Went to Moses Malone was like, Hey, how do I like, what's going on? Why am I not playing? I was, you know, top 10 pick. I should be, I feel like I'm great. And Moses was like, you're fat and you're lazy. What do you want? You're not going to play. And Moses took him under his wing though. And Moses went further than that. He went and he brought him and he started doing one hour a day, uh, you know, trainings before practice. And then one hour after with Chuck, you know, not every NBA veteran is going to dedicate all of that time for a player in their organization to get better. 
Um, so I would say Chuck was just in an incredibly fortunate situation with Zion. Who's going to be that guy to step up? It's probably just has to be Zion himself mentally. We've seen guys like Kevin Love in the past completely revamp their diets and come out, um, you know, as different players. But what's going to happen with Zion last year? The fact that he was able to, you know, add this muscle that is promising. However, if he keeps, yeah, like we said, you know, it looks like he's maybe even gained weight. He looks, he's so, at the same level. Um, where does he go from here? Hopefully, I it's think, down and wait. I think that I think the uh, I think the Pelicans were left in the dark with this whole situation. So as for nobody stepping up, I'm I'm not sure anybody knew how bad that it was until the news dropped. If you guys remember when. When Shams dropped that uh, that little blurb about Zion, you know, uh, and 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 the surgery, it kind of shook the world. Like uh, David Griffin even came out and he's like, "Oh yeah, we we expect this guy to be back for the start of the season." Of course, that didn't happen. The thing is, a lot of people think that David Griffin tried to con um, tried to con Pelicans fans. I was kind of one of those people, but I've kind of flipped the script. Uh, a lot of people think that David Griffin is kind of becoming the also, a lot of people also think that David Griffin is kind of becoming the poster boy for this whole thing. And let's be real. The Pelicans are a poor, run, a poorly run organization, but it's not good business to try to con your fans for season tickets. That's just not good business. And I'm sure they know that you want the trust of the, you know, however many people are still supporting you. So my I, 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 like. The Pelicans also, the Pelicans also raised the price of season tickets to start the season, which lines up with the fact that they thought Zion was going to be healthy. TNT said yesterday that it's unfortunate, but there his his injury has been coming along a little slower than originally anticipated. Yeah, and you um you saw so that's a whole conspiracy um I. That's one of those things I would say we don't have enough inside information. If we were closer to the front office, uh, I'm sure we would know the exact details in terms of like, did they do that to the season ticket holders? Did they not? Might have been a complete surprise. Um, also, what has to be factored in in terms of the surprise is all of the national television games that the Pelicans have gotten, especially early. You know, I mean, no offense as a Pelicans fan, but no one wants to watch the New Orleans Pelicans really play on national television without Zion you know he is the main draw I'm sure the view the ratings um you know showcase that so yeah I mean I would definitely say this is unexpected I don't think the NBA would have given how many national television games do the Pelicans have probably a uh, decent yeah, amount too many yeah too many. that's the problem too at this many, point. unfortunately well okay um you know, we've we've talked about Zion in past pods too. The last three, I'd say. So I do. I feel like we could move to a different topic, but I do want to say, um, any final thoughts on your on you guys? Where do you think the situation's headed, or anything else you just would want to say? I think the Pelicans. Uh, I, I I think I think they, I think they botched the situation. I don't want to say that they that they necessarily botched the Zion Williamson situation, but I want to say I think I feel like. The rebuild is not going as anticipated. I think that they started the rebuild on third base and somehow, you know, um, it, it feels like we went back to second or 
first. Uh, they have a team. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas has been playing like an all-star. Devontae Graham's been really good. And the thing is, Valanciunas is knocking down the three ball at a respectable rate. I mean, um, and he's like 22 of, of 24 from the free throw line. The guy's been an absolute unit. He's averaging like 20 and 15. A perfect big to go alongside Zion Williamson. They have a team that's built to win with Zion. Just no Zion and Herb Jones has been great. Unfortunate situation, man, at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, Coop. It's definitely difficult for the Pelicans, um, especially with everything they've done in the offseason. They are, I mean, we've seen guys like, okay, Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson. You know, this is like, it feels like the third kind of shot in terms of, You've had franchise talent on the roster. The front office is trying its best to keep things together. I will give them a pass right now for sure because the thing is when you have a star player like Zion, you build the roster around him. So once you take that guy out of the roster and you take him off the court, those pieces that were complementary to Zion work a lot less. It's not like they were building this roster in just in case Zion got hurt. It's not like the Lakers where it's like LeBron and then you have, oh, but if LeBron is out, you know, you have Russ to take over and AD and like they've, they purposely built that roster with the idea that LeBron's going to be sitting some games. AD will sit, Russ will sit. The Pelicans built their roster with the idea. We have a third year player. He's going to play 70 games and you know, we're going to make a run at the playoffs because of that. Didn't happen because of currently what's happening with Zion. I, as an NBA fan, I hope he uh, is, you know, just loses that freaking weight. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Um, honestly, <laughs> I I wanted to give you guys like a different twist on this because I think I've said what I had to say on this situation in our previous pods. Like one, I agree with Coop. It's really horrible. I'm not a big fan of people that like to deceive their audience into um you know especially if they just paid a if they just raise ticket prices for pelicans games um i thought it was really really sketchy of david griffin and bear in mind this isn't the first time david griffin has been sketchy jj reddick has gone on record multiple times to say that this is a guy that is very very sleazy he promised jj reddick that hey we're not planning on trading you during the trade deadline last year and then he went ahead and just cut jj reddick after reddick went and bought a house coop i see you smirking man like uh <laughs> <laughs> i was just the, the jj reddick situation was a mess it's a little deeper than alluding to right now but uh yeah it, it wasn't a great situation at all um remember when mike said that jj reddick was a valuable contributor <laughs> off the bench and he was playing like not playing <laughs> <laughs> I said he was going to be. I said he was going to be injured. Like he literally wasn't playing, and when he had played, he averaged like one point a game. <laughs> I said he was going to be. No, you didn't. We could go back. You've been like, even, you were like, they've got JJ Redick for shooting. <laughs> like they have. You not. didn't say he was going to be out the league, bro. Like <laughs> you literally said, Dallas had JJ Redick. That was what happened, and then it was he yeah. shot thirty six percent from the field and scored four points a game. <laughs> yeah. You should wear a JJ Reddick Mavs jersey to the next podcast. That actually kind of be hard. Like it's vintage. Damn, a JJ <laughs> Reddick Mavs jersey. That's gonna be a deep cut. Okay. Yeah. Um, You'd have to custom but, make that. Yeah. But uh, I honestly wanted to just twist this in a different direction and i i know coop doesn't like i know coop won't want to accept this but corzemba i know you for a fact would love to discuss this cue the x-files theme (laughs) 
Well, what are the odds that Zion's doing this on purpose, man? Like, come on. You were an athlete throughout your entire career. You looked like a literal Greek god when you were in Duke. You kind of roll your eyes when you see the New Orleans Pelicans won the number one overall pick in the draft lottery. We all remember that. He wanted to go to New York. He wanted to go to a large market. And NBA, we wanted him to go to New York. We wanted him to go to a large market. But he ended up going to New Orleans, and then maybe he may have wanted to give New Orleans a shot, but they then he tore his meniscus. He didn't, well, no, he didn't play in Summer League because of an injury. Then he tore his meniscus in preseason. Then the Pelicans decided to hold him out of the regular season for six months. Then he did, uh, we got a little sample size of him. The pandemic hit. We didn't really get a chance to watch um, watch him really shine until the second season, where the weight was still kind of an issue. And in the second season, he dominated. But of course, there's the recent reports that his family isn't happy with the Pelicans. He doesn't like the way David Griffin plays the piano for him. So he's gonna go to so he's gonna go to like Popeyes, Burger King, In and Out, or whatever. Or maybe uh, eat some New Orleans gumbo and beignets so he could gain some weight and get himself out of New Orleans. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be a no for for me. Oh, what are you I, thinking I, right now, Corzim? But you look like you're, you like you're, like you're into it. <sighs> All right. So, one, as we're going, um, you know, my own personal YouTuber brain popped into my head, and I was like, in two weeks, Zion's still fat. I'm making a conspiracy video on this exact topic, but um, <laughs> because in two weeks, if Zion is still fat, that's there's something going on. Like, if he's like, I'm not saying fat, guys. I understand. The way that diet works you know i'm currently on a diet um again Woo! referred to myself as the christian bale of nba youtube i can gain and lose 20 pounds within a month very easily um it's not healthy but anyway yeah, we, uh, we, we don't recommend that we don't recommend it you know this is not financial advice i'm just saying um financial I, I advice yeah we're not we're not a we're not dietitians <laughs> yes, yes i mean look um, at us we're not dietitians yes, maybe flight mike is but. clear uh yeah maybe flight mike but anyway um yeah, maybe, but, maybe flight mike. but what i will say is all right so let's think of this from a conspiracy head myself. Um, all right. So the Pelicans are the Pelicans. You know, New Orleans, unfortunately, is one of the lower markets. Okay. We have yet to see a 2000. We have yet to see Zion is going to be uh, offered a Supermax contract, probably if he gets his fucking shit together. Um at a certain point in time in the future, uh, I think 2023 for the 2023. I don't season. think he's too. I don't think he's super max eligible. I don't think. Are he's gonna get offered? He's gonna offer. He's gonna get offered his uh, however much he. Yeah, whatever his max. I mean. Yeah, max, um, max. Okay. So with that in mind, we have to remember a few things. One, this injury that happened during the summer. Why is it so mysterious? What happened here? Okay. Do we have the full details? Because I don't think I have the full details. I am kind of still confused about what happened. Two, we all remember Zion's family wants him out. That report coming out. That report came out June 17th, very, very close to this whole, when this whole injury took place, when suddenly Zion couldn't play. Three, now he's gaining all this weight again. Why is he not losing it at this point? He's been like... I mean, the, yeah, he's been fat shamed straight up. 
He's getting laughed at at TNT. Freaking Chuck said yesterday. It looked like me and Shaq had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I quit. <laughs> what did it look like, Chuck? Like, like me and you had a baby. Ooh, Shaq, we had a baby over the summer. Like, they're ripping him on a national audience. Uh, yesterday on TNT, during the halftime show, they basically just fat shamed, talked about Zion's weight, and just laughed about him the entire time. How, what's going on? How is this not getting under control a little bit? So the conspiracy theory, of course, would be that Zion is looking at the Pelicans, looking at his 15 year plus career, potentially being like, oh I, yeah, I did suffer a few injuries. If I'm this playing weight, they'll never play me. Maybe I keep it on, burn a season, freaking. And then by season four, then by season four, you earn your super contract. I'm not saying that that is what it is. I'm saying that would be what the conspiracy theory is. Again, people have a hard time differentiating this in my own videos. When I emphasize, this is not what I'm saying it is. I'm just saying this is what the theory would be. That that just wouldn't make any sense because uh, I, I think there are easier ways to get out. Um, Zion hasn't gotten paid yet. And his major beef is with Aaron Nelson, who's the Pelicans trainer. He didn't like the minutes restriction. He didn't like the uh, the burst play. So if they play, if they play him and and give in to his demands to play, um, his career's in jeopardy. Like that's not a, it's not it's not it's not good business. Um, well, that yeah, would be part yeah. of the conspiracy would be that he's keeping his weight at a level where they can't play him. But that would also contradict the fact I'm with, that I'm, he for, I'm with you. It, the thought of this idea is so dangerous in practice that like it's, it's, it's crazy absurd. But I, I, it's absurd i love it I, I mean it's crazy i mean i hate it but i love it at like the if, same time if he were to put on 50 or 40 pounds would, or whatever to just go because he wanted to go to the Knicks, like it'd be absurd that would be i mean i yeah but and I, also, I, mean, you, I guess you never know i mean yeah but like i will also say zion just was warming up against msg this is where you know he, he popped up again and Knicks fans weren't going like, yeah, let's, oh, I can't wait till we have Zion. Like, look at exactly. Zion. You know, they were going, damn, he's fat. That, that's what they were saying. Yeah. And I, I think that's where we are. I, even, look, you call me crazy, but I, I've, I'm a Pelicans fan. A lot of Pelicans fans are frustrated with Zion. A lot of Pelicans fans wouldn't mind if Zion left. And they got a star that was consistently able to play basketball, stay on the floor. It's a, it's a mess, bro. Well, unfortunately, um, you're kind of just in a wait and see period. It's kind of like a Ben Simmons situation where it's like time is going to just have to handle it. We'll see. Again, if this is in a few weeks, we're still talking about this, um, then this is going to be a problem. But Bulls be looking better than you thought. <laughs> no, but you don't understand that the basis of why I thought they were going to be bad was because I thought y'all were going to play Lonzo Ball, which y'all, which Lonzo kind of alluded to, and so did Lavar. Um, yeah, been there, done that. Zoe's role is actually less of what it was in New Orleans. So, I was saying it at the time. I don't know what they were talking about. I was saying, yeah, Zach's the main ball handler. Demar is fucking been a revelation. We knew Demar was going to be filthy, but I, I he's mean, better than I, I thought, though. He's, he's better than I thought. I think, I mean, look, at he's averaging 25.6 right now. And the thing is, I mean, he doesn't shoot a ton of them, but he's shooting 40% from three on two and a half attempts a game. 
Um, he doesn't really take them unless he's absolutely wide open and he doesn't take them off of isolation plays. It's just basically ball swings around. He's wide open. A lot of end of shot clock situations too, but he's comfortable um, stepping out there and shooting, which is huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, Zoe stands. Uh, Zoe, LeVar, they got me, man. They got me. They got me good. Yeah. I mean, you heard me the whole time. People were like, oh, potential all-star. I was like, I don't want to go that far. Because just like, I mean, just being realistic, uh, I mean, you know, Lonzo, what? Like, he's, he's been in the league. It's fifth season. Hard yeah, to exactly. But I thought there point. was a chance that with the Bulls paying him that money, like, they really do this. Like, there's no way he's saying all this stuff. And, 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 and they don't just let him, like, go crazy. Uh, but well, I you know, feel like that's a, they didn't. I feel like what they paid him is a good amount for a starting point guard with his projection, with his uh, production. And the defense that he's been playing him and Caruso have been pests. I've been loving it. Caruso, man. Oh, love him so much. Angela looks at Caruso and she's like, that guy looks so strange. <laughs> she's like, I hate his, she's like, I hate his headband. It looks so weird. The thing that also is a little frustrating. Maybe it was a New Orleans thing. Maybe it was a Stan Van Gundy thing, but Zoe definitely also, uh, he, he plays harder defense in Chicago. He, did not play with defensive intensity in New Orleans. All right, we want to talk about Chicago? I'll talk about Chicago. Yeah, I think it makes a little bit more sense because you guys are naturally talking about Chicago. All right, so um, all right, so we talked about your New Orleans Pelicans. Guys, we are, of course, going to cover uh, you know a bunch in this podcast, including the foul situation, what's been going on with that, James Harden. But, you know, when one guy on this podcast team is currently 6-1, and one, the Chicago Bulls. I feel like let's let's talk some Chicago Bulls. So, with the Chicago Bulls so far, um, DeMar DeRozan has been absolutely unreal, averaging over 25 points a game, shooting over 40% from three, two and a half three-pointers a game. He doesn't take a ton of them, but it's a noticeable difference between the way he used to play and... Um, it's still kind of crazy because if you watch Bulls games, we literally run off ball sets uh, for DeMar to get like a 20 footer or like an 18 footer, which is like, you know, not really what you see. Like you'll see like normally that set for a three point shot off the wing. He uh, is one of the only players I see have it run for him as a mid range jump shot. But overall, Chicago Bulls, six and one, notable wins over the Utah Jazz and the Boston Celtics, who I definitely want to talk about too because that was an absolute collapse. What do you guys think about the Boston, uh, the Chicago Bulls so far this season? Have you been impressed? Did you expect this or underwhelmed somehow? <laughs> underwhelmed? Yeah, it's six and one. They suck. I gave um, them three options. Yeah, uh, I, I want to see them play some more competition before I, you know, crown this one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference or something like that. But. For the most part, the vision that has uh, that they saw for the Chicago Bulls is, has come together. You know, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Now, we talked about this a little earlier, but I didn't project the Bulls being this good this fast because the Lonzo Ball situation. Um, as I told you earlier, I thought Lonzo was going to come in and I thought y'all were going to play Lonzo basketball. That's what LeVar was saying. That's what the stands were saying. Um, Zoe said he gets to play his game now. And, you know, basically he's playing the same role that he had in, in New Orleans. So um, that was that was part of my reason that I thought the Bulls might not be 
you know, one of the best teams out. But ple pleasantly surprised with what I've seen, Pre pleasantly surprised with the level that DeMar's been playing at and Zoe. Also, Caruso's been looking good. You, you guys might want to uh, let your main ball handlers handle the ball a little more. Uh, you guys are letting Caruso handle the ball. Caruso a, a bit too much. A bit too much. Yeah. Um, I'll agree with that for sure. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Continue. So, uh, multiple parts to this take. Um, firstly, the teams that you guys beat so far are the Detroit Pistons, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Detroit Pistons again, the Toronto Raptors. Hey, what is, what's the Toronto Raptors record? Five and three just smacked the Knicks. Okay. I don't want to hear about okay. the Toronto Raptors. They're good. Okay, okay, okay. The I got Toronto them in the playoffs too, good. by the way. The Toronto Raptors are good. All right. Um, it's really hard to make these judgments this early on in the season. You oh, guys yeah, that's beat facts. the You guys beat the Utah Jazz. That deserves major, major respect. And lost to the New York Knicks and beat the By Boston one Celtics. or two. Yeah, barely lost to the Knicks. And barely the Boston beat Celtics. the Raptors. We are, we're definitely talking about the Celtics because we came back from the Boston Celtics. 19-point deficit. Ended up beating them by like 14. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was yeah, like a 40-10 to 10 fourth quarter. It was insane. Um, I'll tell you what I like. I firstly like anytime a team gets off to a six and one start, especially after like completely changing up the makeup of their team, the way the Chicago Bulls did, then like that's legit. No matter who they beat, that means there's chemistry. They're off to a quick start. Like if my Lakers were doing that right now, I'd be ecstatic, you know? Um, and it seems like you guys did it in a very, uh, I love teams that are built this way because you guys didn't necessarily go after like top tier elite free agents. Rather, you guys went and pick, uh, picked up players that just could be integrated seamlessly into the Chicago Bulls and just complement each other really well. I, I loved the trading of Nikola Vucevic last year. I loved how you guys kept Zach Levine. I was kind of on the fence about DeMar DeRozan. And I love the addition of uh, Lonzo Ball. And I was on the fence uh, about the addition of Caruso. I'm glad to see it's working out. And shout out to Lonzo Ball, man. The dude, in his rookie year, this man shot 30% from three. And this year so far, he's shooting 40% from three. I don't know if we've ever seen something like this in NBA history, but... I, I'm always going to applaud Lonzo Ball for his ability to just consistently develop into a better and better and better basketball player. It's like, you know, whenever you're playing my league in NBA 2K and you're looking at players' potential, Lonzo gets like an A-plus, man. He just continues to evolve. And I think once this man hits his prime, he's going to be a completely different player in like three years from now. I'm just loving what I'm seeing from that team in general. Um. and. Props. Okay, so so Zoe's uh, shooting improvement has been great, but that's like really the only major improvement that his game has made. I definitely think we've seen players improve their shot, but uh, not to take away from what Zoe's been doing this season. I wish we got this effort in New Orleans. I'm definitely a little bitter about that. Uh, you know, maybe we would have kept did. him. You did. Uh, no, uh, no. The man literally we, changed his jump shooting. No, 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 no. Effort. I'm talking about. I'm talking effort. about effort. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking about <laughs> I, on the I, defensive side of the basketball. Um, yeah. If if he plays defense like he's playing in Chicago, I, I think there's no way that they let him walk. You know, uh, I. <laughs> well, I remember uh, signed for a few years. So I don't think we we're letting him walk anytime soon. No, back. I was talking about I was talking about the Pelicans let him walk. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Well, it's yeah. a whole thing. 
Um, okay, wait. You 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 say your Alonzo thing, and then I'll go into my overall thoughts on the Bulls because I've been watching them. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be short. I watched the first five minutes of Bulls basketball I watched. I was like, this is bullshit. Like, I saw Zoe flying across the court, switching on guys, swiping down on balls, getting steals. I'm like, yo, Zoe, like, what did we do to you, man? I don't think it's anything that the Pelicans did. I wouldn't be too bitter. I know that would be hard. First of all, I'd like to say, man, RIP to Patrick Williams season. That fucking sucks for me. I hate it. Patrick Williams is my favorite player on Um, the Bulls. Really could have used a year of development. Um, now, can I also of- say this? Can I can I cut you off really quick uh, about Patrick Williams too? I I think the situation is good for him in the terms of he gets to. I mean, I thought I thought the Bulls this uh this season had a good situation for him in terms of he can develop at his own pace. But I really would have liked to see what he was able to do with maybe a worse roster in, in and an elevated role. I think he has that type of talent. Yeah, I think um with Patrick Williams. So again, the second season really sucks. Him missing it, of course, missing an entire year of playing NBA basketball games is gonna very is gonna hurt his development. To be perfectly honest, but um, Patrick Williams, I just wish you could just take him currently and just up his uh, aggressiveness by fifty percent. I'd say not even like 10, 20, like fifty. He has not been aggressive enough. He was injured to begin this season, which is something that uh, people really haven't been paying attention to. He was injured like every game basically, and then finally actually got an injury. Those were not the same injuries, but. You know, um, tore a bunch of ligaments in his left wrist after uh, attempting a dunk on Mitchell Robinson, which or, you know, whatever. He got hurt. But, uh, man, that just sucks. But as for the Bulls in general, let's try to keep this positive. I will say that as of currently, like the beginning of the season, um, Pat... Again, his lack of aggressiveness was hurting us on times. On defense, it was, you know, he's been great. But... The Bulls, what? So one of the biggest questions coming into this season was, oh, can the Bulls defend? Can the Bulls defend? Can the Bulls defend? And right now, I think they're currently fifth in defensive rating. And yes, we played a little bit uh, of not the best competition, but I think it's just you can tell by the effort on defense and by the heart that all these guys are showing that. This isn't something that's going to go away. It's not like the Bulls are going to suddenly become one of the worst defensive teams just because their efforts so there. Zach Levine, that Team USA basketball experience, it happens with a lot of guys. They all, A lot of times they come back from Team USA and, you know, you're suddenly with, like, the top of the top and you see how these guys are preparing for the season. You see, like, what makes them great. And a lot of times these guys come back much improved or with a better mindset. Zach has definitely come back with with a much improved defensive mindset. He was a solid defender on Team USA, and he has continued to be that. Caruso's a pest, such a pest. Lonzo is playing great on defense. And the whole thing is, it's because all these Bulls guys have, I think, I feel like they've been ridden off a lot throughout their career or at least haven't had the opportunity to play on a winning team that, like, recently at least in the terms of demar so demar we watched demar derozan right he goes from being on the toronto raptors having one of the top three teams in the eastern conference for several seasons with kyle lowry gets shipped off for Kawhi. watches his team that he was just a part of win a, a championship together all right as he just sits in san antonio we've got lonzo who has played on three teams now bounced around number two overall pick some people gave up on him 
he has a very a hunger to win. We've got Zach Levine playing in Minnesota. Didn't do anything there because he really emerged in Chicago. Since he got to Chicago, I'm pretty sure there was a stat that was like, Zach won three games in a row on Team USA. He's never won three games in a row in Chicago. Like, that was how this, headed into the season, that's how dire it was for Zach. All these guys want to win on a level that is so encouraging as a fan. Because, uh, for instance, the, the Raptors game, they they almost kind of blew it at the end. Very hard to get the ball in. Uh, had a hard time against the full court press. They were very mad. They won the game and didn't even care. They're just pissed off. All right. They play pissed off when they're losing. They play to win. It's very exciting. I, I would say that that is the one thing that uh, the Bulls have going for them over other teams that are newly constructed is these guys are playing with such a chip on their shoulder that they're playing so hard and they want to win so badly. And it's awesome to be a fan of a team like that. Yeah, um, I definitely didn't see Vooch coming in, getting 3.6 deflections per game, being in the top 15 uh, in the league for deflections alongside Alex Caruso, who's actually like top seven, averaging 4.1. Um, just an impressive effort all around by uh, the Chicago Bulls. And to to touch on what Flight Mike said, you know, uh, I, 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 I'm going to change my tune on Zoe a little bit because, uh, you know, he could have improved more areas of his game. And, uh, you know, you guys know I've been one of the biggest uh, Zoe guys for a while, but I, I got to give it to him. He, he improved his shot, and I wish more players would do this. A lot of guys, a lot of defensive players, it's like they don't know what gets them paid. On top of defense, if you could shoot the basketball, you're going to have a long career in the league. Um, my pick for most improved, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he's got the bag. You know, he's got everything you could want um, offensively when it comes to creating his own shot, getting to the basket, but there's no consistency in his jump shot. And I'm kind of at the point right now where I'd like just rather Nikhil be a consistent shooter. Just having somebody that can knock down shots is invaluable to a team. It's, I mean, just with the current, just the, with the way the current NBA is right now, you know, we see it. Floor spacing is everything. If you're able to go under a pick, for instance, with uh, Nikhil, if you're able to go under a pick or if you're able to sag off a guy more than you should be able to, it hurts the entire team. It hurts an individual player. Um, we've seen Ja Morant, I would say, noticeably this year, uh, take that kind of step. I'm not sure exactly what he's shooting from three. Let's see. Yeah, he's shooting five, five and a half threes a game, making 2.1, and he's shooting about 38.5% 39% from three. So I would say, you know, if you want to look at like how much a three pointers can open up a guy's game jaw this year, just his ability to just make threes at a, at a higher rate has really had defenders puzzled and not sure quite what to do because the, the old thing with jaw was go under the pick, let, you know, let him take that three. He only shoots 29% or something last year. Now, if you're shooting 39%, they have to go over and you're as fast and explosive as Ja, you're getting the basket every time. Or someone's getting yeah. open. And uh, Ja's like an extreme example. That's like a guy that had the complete package and then added a jump shot. Ja actually shot pretty well for a decent amount of his rookie season, but uh, late in the season, he, he tailed off. I'm not sure what happened there. Yeah, he's shooting double the frequency this year from three, which is promising, I will say. Um, and shooting better at the free throw line. He's shooting 82.5% right now, up from 73% last year. So I would say uh, for sure, Ja went, you know, that's the, that's what we want to see. You go in the summer, you know you got to work on your jump shot. Working on your jump shot is what is 
known in basketball as one of the most improvable skills. Okay. And so when you got guys that aren't doing it, yeah, shout out Zoe because he actually, you know, went and improved. And he had it a lot harder than a lot of guys. A lot of guys, it's just as simple as getting the reps up. Your form is at least fine or correctable enough to where you don't have to do anything major. Lonzo Ball, there are things that he has to do. Like, for instance, when he he's still, when he takes mid-range jumpers off the dribble, it still looks a little awkward. It's still because of how much he had to change his form. Um, I, I believe that that's the next step. I think Zoe's just like a work in progress in that way. I'm interested to see what how this whole Bulls progression goes because you bring in a guy like DeMar. Um, you're hoping that guys like Lonzo, that Zach continues his his reign of um, how he's playing and, you know, is an all-NBA kind of guy. And then you hope three to four years ago that guys like uh, three to four years from now, that guys like Lonzo and Patrick Williams step up into the places where like Vooch and, uh, you know, DeMar are currently and we're able to add a few different guys to that roster and everything works out perfectly in the Bulls win a championship. So I know that the current day Chicago Bulls are absolutely crushing it, you know, but what do you think about what's going on with uh, your previous yesterday's Chicago Bulls? Uh, Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan are apparently beefing right now. Oh, okay. So I've, I've known this was coming for a while. Um, so if you got, if, if people don't know, first of all, I don't want to rip Scottie Pippen at all. Honestly, because I'm not really sure what he's going through after the death of his son, if I'm correct. Um, um it's like a lot. It's the death yeah. of his son, the Larsa Pippen thing that happened to him over the past year and a half. He felt he may have felt embarrassed by the Last Dance documentary. He has been acting a little erratic, you know. Being Pippen ain't easy, you know. So he's been acting erratic. So again, when someone acts like this, I like don't love to like pile on or anything. But what I will say is that I just feel like um, I feel like if he was in the right mindset that this wouldn't be happening. Um, I feel like he's putting himself out there a lot. I'm not sure. His, so his book comes out ships Tuesday. I'm seeing right here. Maybe next Tuesday. Um, it's unguarded. Scotty Pippen. I don't know if he's trying to sell his book or something. I'm not really sure what's going on, but it feels like Scottie Pippen has a problem with everyone else in the world right now. And no, everyone else isn't even fighting with Scottie Pippen. I feel like Scottie Pippen is creating fights that don't exist. Like people are like hearing like, oh, Scottie Pippen said, what about me? Like, you know, Michael Jordan, I think, look at this is the text that Scottie Pippen put in his own article. He said the text was from Michael. He didn't reach out very often. What's up, dude? I'm getting word that you're upset with me. Love to talk about it if you have time. Okay. And so then you continue to rip. It seems, sounds like Michael Jordan's, you know, okay, willing to talk about it. Um, Scottie Pippen, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. All I do know is that this book is about to be a shit show. It's, it's going to be a shit show. It is... What is the exact thing? I, I've got to find the fuck. I've got to find this. All I know is my friend sent me this like five months ago. Scottie Pippen's press release of his book. And it's like he gets real about Michael Jordan. He's about to try to destroy Michael Jordan's like image or something. I will see. But this is it's going to be a huge insider book. And I think we're going to like there's going to be like some crazy stories. So get ready. I'm I, honestly 
I'm about to, I don't know if I head over to Am uh, to, if I don't, I don't know if I buy an Amazon or Barnes and Noble, but I'm reading it the second it comes out because it's going to be juicy, but again, it's an unreliable narrator. I feel like I don't know how reliable this is. So, I mean, you could tell how consistent things are based off of what you already know about Michael, right? Like what I know about Michael Jordan so far is yeah, goat. In my opinion, Goat took basketball to a different stratosphere, obsessive a little bit, like kind of a little like I think all the most successful people in the world psychologically have a couple of like screws loose. And in Michael Jordan's case, he had this like obsession of like turning everything into a competition, which, you know, has its benefits, has its pros and cons. He may have ripped into his teammates a little bit much. And currently, um, I do kind of believe Scotty in this article where apparently what bothered scotty is the fact that originally the last dance was supposed to be about the chicago bulls final season together and michael jordan kind of took it and said all right like this is going to be like a biography about how great i am plus the final season of the chicago bulls and as a result, it seems like not bear in mind, Horace Grant was livid with this uh, documentary. Apparently, multiple others of uh, multiple other former teammates of Michael Jordan were also really upset about this documentary as well. So, I mean, it depends how consistent it is with those other things that are being said about MJ. But at the same time, like you have to think of it on the flip side. And this is no disrespect to the Chicago Bulls. I'm not watching The Last Dance for Horace Grant or Luke Longley or John Paxson or even Steve Kerr. I'm watching it for Michael Jordan and then Scottie Pippen and then Dennis Rodman. But Michael Jordan is like way, way ahead over everyone else. I think the documentary did a remarkable job teaching today's generation how great MJ was. And I think it was needed. Um, but... I just, uh, I could see where Scotty is coming from as well. I am very just confused by all of this because it just feels like, like, okay. Like I understand if they were pitched a certain thing, but like, what does that even mean? Like I'm, I'm re I'm, I, I, uh, I listen to everything you said quickly, you know, glance at the GQ article that's pulled up. It appears like Scottie Pippen, um, yeah, like was told, yeah, like you said, that they was told with a few other guys, like, oh yeah, this was about the last uh, season, but it really wasn't about the last season. The entire time was about Michael Jordan. It was a Michael Jordan documentary. Scottie Pippen is literally upset because he was, as he put it, a side piece in a documentary about Michael Jordan, like that. Yeah, like you said, that people are here for Michael Jordan. I, I mean. Listen to this exact quote from this article, okay? It says, um, so I guess if you're thinking in your head that this is going to be all about the team, then you would get mad about this. But this was, I feel like from the second I heard about it, it was being pitched as Michael Jordan. That's what I, that's what I always thought. I always thought, okay, we're getting more Michael Jordan footage. I didn't really think it was about the full 98 Bulls. Um... All right, I mean, am I wrong there? Did you guys think that it was going to be like more? Here's a full episode on Horace Grant. I mean, 
you can't make a 10 part documentary 10 hours long all based upon one season i'm assuming that and you know just being someone that's in content i'm assuming what did happen was michael jordan he did have by the way bear in mind michael jordan did have like final edit on all of yeah, this but wait, so but hold on, hold on. before before we continue with that though it doesn't matter about the final edit Obviously, the direction of this entire documentary series was focused on Michael Jordan. So, yeah, he might have had a final edit, but, like, everyone that wasn't Scottie Pippen and those guys, like, everyone that was on the production side of this was on board for creating the narrative around Michael Jordan. You, you know what I mean? Like, you can't just go into the that and edit around a narrative like that you know every episode was like the same kind of formula it was like okay here's something happening um to the bulls like in the past uh dennis robin arrives scotty pippen arrives you know or oh here's the new challenge you know that was and then it would like go flash back and forth between the 98 season and that um but yeah it was a michael jordan based narrative and uh Listen, even this is Scottie Pippen's own words, even in the second episode, which focused for a while on my difficult upbringing and unlikely path to the NBA, the narrative returned to MJ and his determination to win. I was nothing more than a prop, his best teammate of all time. He called me. He couldn't have been more condescending if he tried. Like, see, that to me is like, where is reality here? All right. This is Michael Jordan. Like, okay, you... It seems like Scottie Pippen just hated playing under the shine of Michael Jordan, I guess. He called him the great your greatest teammate of all time. How is that more condescending if he tried? I mean, uh, I did not I, we, all, we all watched the last dance, correct? Like we all watched that Scottie we, Pippen episode yeah, 100%. I yeah, there was a whole I never watched episode that episode and went, him. "Damn, Scottie's getting disrespected." There there were moments uh Coop, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, no, I didn't get that uh, vibe either. Oh, like there were there were moments where, yeah, Scottie Pippen didn't look the best. And yeah, there were moments where I'm like, OK, MJ, you know, like maybe show some of your flaws as well. Other than, you know, I'm obsessed with winning because you're showing Scottie Pippen at some of his fairly low points. Like you're showing the, the contract, for example, or the year that one, uh, the 1994 playoff series against the Knicks where Scotty Pippen, uh, uh, got upset that Tony Kukoc hit a game winning jumper, which by the way, another like support to the fact that I just, I don't want to say Scotty isn't right in the head. I think he's just really going through a difficult time is back in late June, he came out and said the fact that Phil Jackson drew up that play for Tony Kukoc to hit the game-winning jump shot, he said that move was a racial move on the Dan Patrick show. Like, there's video footage of him saying it to Dan Patrick. And look, I don't want to, like, jump into this because, you know, um, I don't like uh, discussing things like this uh, typically, but it just, it is important. It's just... Uh, I'm trying to be sensitive. It just rubs me the wrong way that this is a guy that you won, you know, a head coach that you won six championships with. You know, this is a head coach that coached you, Horace Grant, Dennis Rodman, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Lamar Odom, Pau Gasol, Ron freaking Artest. You know, no one's ever said something like this about him. 
And then out of nowhere, you're coming out and saying, after saying in the Last Dance documentary that you have regrets about the way you handled that playoff series and you wish you were a better teammate, because let's be honest, if Scottie Pippen came out and was happy for Tony Kukoc hitting that jump shot and didn't act the way he did, maybe the Bulls would have had a little bit more momentum. Maybe Scottie Pippen could have potentially won a championship without Michael Jordan, and maybe the narrative surrounding Scottie would be more than just MJ's sidekick. But now it seems like he's kind of flip-flopping from, hey, I regret the way I handled that situation, you know, to, oh no, this is Phil Jackson choosing rookie Tony Kukoc over I because of a race thing. And I think that's just a uh, that's just a support to Scotty's just going through it right now. And I feel like even MJ is a little empath would probably be empathetic towards the situation because you don't see Michael Jordan coming out and firing shots back at Scotty. You don't see any you don't really see other teammates coming out um, and like firing shots at him. Yeah, MJ's empathetic or he just doesn't care. It's just one of those probably. Um I'll say Michael Jordan has made his brand on staying silent uh, when things like this happen, basically. He's not too outspoken. Maybe he'll release a statement or something, but, you know, we rarely see Michael Jordan anywhere, you know? I mean, when do we see him? He's not on, like, inside the NBA. So there's Michael Jordan. He keeps a very, very low profile, which I will say, I feel like that adds points to his GOAT argument. Very very unrelated, but I'll, I'll keep going. But you know, um, he's, he's he's under the radar. And but anyway, yeah, I think he'll do that. I'll just say, I mean, I feel like a, uh, the dark side of the Bulls, like what happened during the Bulls era, what with Michael Jordan, the the things we didn't see, like the guys that got pushed to the side, like that kind of stuff. That would be a cool documentary. I'm sure it would do well as well. I'm sure we'd love to talk about it. It's not It's not like Netflix was gonna sit around and work with Michael Jordan on a documentary this long and paint him in a horrible light. Like, yeah, the things are there, but I, I just like don't understand Scottie Pippen's point of view here. It doesn't make sense to me. It just, again, like it just felt like, um, you know, he got his, his due justice in the documentary with the knowledge that Michael Jordan is the main character. Like Michael Jordan is the main character of that documentary. So Scottie Pippen, yeah, you're gonna get talked about as his best teammate ever. This isn't a documentary about you. The entire thing was about Scottie Pippen. Um, and again, the fact that he has a book coming out literally next week, uh, just to me says like, probably just trying to sell books, probably trying to stay relevant. Um, and again, combine that all with not being in the best headspace and it becomes difficult yeah un unfortunately uh i don't want to say you see things like this all the time but you see things like this somewhat frequently where you know like somebody's planning like a drop or something like you said like a book or they're starting a a, a brand or a company and then out of nowhere they start doing something that's outlandish or making outlandish statements just for publicity uh it works sometimes you know Kanye, most famously, and I, I love Kanye, does, some, does I, this. I'm just going to stick with, and just to close this out, um, I think he's just going through it. He's had a very tough year and a half. You know, his son died. His wife is the queen of the streets. Um, oh, my God. Do you know, wait, did you know that his wife? Did, wait, his wife was caught with a guy from my fraternity. What? That's, that's, oh, that's low. Right? 
Wait, wait, hold on. How are you going to say he's going... Wait, time out. How are you going to say he's going through it? Then call his wife the queen of the streets. Regardless (laughs) if that's true, you can't do that. That so... (laughs) That's so mean. Yeah, like... Bro, Mike's like that guy. We're like... We're we're like... He'll take your car keys and like help you look for him or something like that. (laughs) He's... You're like it's Scotty's corner. Then you're like, yeah, his wife is the the queen of the streets, bro. I like, mean, bro, it's not a his, bro. It's not. I feel for the guy, man. Like yeah. I, I feel for uh, him. It's like, definitely, it's just... definitely an un, an unfortunate situation for sure, bro. Yeah, like okay, I found it. 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 I, found it. I, found it. I have to send you. <laughs> this is nuts. All right, I will not reveal the name. I'm sorry, guys that are listening, but or girls, but um. Laura Pippen's mystery man has since been identified as a blank and he's mysterious Miami man. And this guy was in my fraternity in my grade. Oh, that's beautiful. And he's stuck when he's found with Laura Pippen, mystery Miami man, like making out with her on the beach. As of right now, I definitely feel like the Boston Celtics need to, need to be brought up. I feel like uh, Tyler Hero also needs to be brought up, but... Boston Celtics, in terms of priority, I would say them because, yes, the Chicago Bulls demolish them. Um, you know, it is what we do at this point in time. Oh, but my God. It's been seven games. <laughs> this is what we do. Um, but the Boston Celtics were up by 19 at one point, and then everything went to shit. And it really was an example, I would say, of just a lot of hustle plays and a lot of effort we had a lot of steals on one end um too much hero ball going on too much jason tatum you know isoing shooting bad shots not not working out demar kept getting to his spot knocking down shots all was great i will say two things about boston one marcus smart publicly called out the entire team which is huge news um and honestly i want to pull up the entire quote it was on nba reddit because nba reddit i agree with their discussion on it one of the top comments was um the full quote actually makes it seem a little um a little more 100 yeah like a little more what do you what, no, what, what were you gonna say because they thought it was a little um, more condescending really yes because well, so here's the thing before before i read the quote um their thoughts on it um and i agree with it i feel like i agree with the condescending part the thought on it is that with marcus smart there he's kind of like talking to them like they're babies you know or like they're rookies or like they're young guys when they're not like established all-stars i have the full quote in front of me i could send it to you or read it if you All want right, you, you got uh, it you got it just read it uh, Marcus Smart said, I would just like to play basketball. Every team knows we're trying to go to Jason and Jalen. Every team is programmed and studied to stop Jason and Jalen. I think everybody's scouting report is to make those guys pass the ball. They don't want to pass the ball. That's something that they're going to learn. They're still learning. We're proud of the progress they're making, but they're going to have to make another step and find ways to not only create for themselves, but create for others on this team to open up the court for them later down in the game where they're always going to have to take those tough shots or take tough matchups when they do get the one-on-one or they bring the trap. It's something we've been asking them to do and they're learning. We just got to continue to help those guys do that to help our team. So the condescending part that other people have taken of this and 
I feel like I would take this if I was like, you know, Jason Tatum is the whole like, oh, they're learning. They're doing this they're doing this. It's like Mark Smart. You're not a coach one and they're not rookies. They are literally higher quality basketball players than you. So it's kind of weird. I understand he's their locker room leader, but like it's kind of weird to be like they're learning. They're we're getting better. Like if it's their coach, that is a coach thing to say. Sure. Marcus Smart goes, yeah, they have to move the ball around a little bit more. Marcus Smart, you are literally shooting under 30% from the field this season, okay? 30% from the field. So maybe they have a little bit of pause, no offense, Marcus Smart, to swing you the ball in the corner and watch another brick go up? I don't know. I mean, I will also say I watch the Celtics, and I think that they are one of the most robotic and un-team oriented like on the lack of heart for the celtics i will say is at an all-time high i believe that last year i thought that they are like a professional team in that sense where it's like okay these are like you know this is our job as basketball and then you go home maybe i i'm not a celtics fan fully but it does seem like there are chemistry issues popping up we saw the marcus smart thing um i've gone on the celtics red uh subreddit as much as possible, like right after, because I was I wanted to see what they said, what they thought. I think that could you know really give you an insight on fans, uh, on fan bases when uh, like a loss like that happens, because you really get to see like oh who are the guys that they want to blame this on, and there was a mixture. Some people were calling Jason Tatum, Antoine Walker, to Jalen Brown's oh. um, Paul Pierce. Some oh piece. yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. That's so, that's something that I've definitely noticed. Uh, those two don't coexist well. As a matter of fact, I think Jalen Brown has a uh, poor to very bad body language sometimes when uh, Jason Tatum gets the ball. It's like he knows that Tatum is going to shoot. And sometimes when Brown gets the ball, you can tell he just wants to get a shot up. Like it's like he, he's got this mindset like that. I don't know when I'm going to touch this again. So I'm going to yeah. try to do my thing and, and get a shot. Uh, it's, it's not a great environment. And I don't think Marcus Smart should have done what he did but he did what he did at the end of the day and uh i think this is kind of his way of not i i don't know i think he's trying to do a wake-up call um yeah the problem so the only problem i have with what marcus smart said is unfortunately that he's shooting under 30 percent, and that it, it might it, I, I think he's it sounds demeaning i do think it sounds demeaning i don't think you say that to the pub the public i think you keep that inside i think you try like seven games in. Is it really the time to publicly say things? I mean, that's kind of like a thing where I think maybe things are even worse than we think. Because if Marcus Smart, again, he's knowledgeable. He knows, you know, he's twenty-seven. What he's been in the NBA for ever at this point seems like. Um, you know, Marcus Smart. Yeah, what like seven, eight-year veteran. He he knows that seven games into the season isn't the best time to say something unless maybe it's that important. And Jason Tatum currently is shooting about twenty five shots a game and making under forty percent of them. He's shooting twenty five shots a game, scoring less than Jalen Brown. So, and yeah, I mean, I watched his body language. You know, all it takes is watch one Celtics game, and when things go wrong, um, you could just see like what happens on all the players' faces. Tatum. I mean, I don't like love to say this, but like I do call into question his will to win. I feel like at times like he is the guy Jason Tatum is is supposed to be their guy. Anyway, he's, supposed to, he's taking 25 shots a game and at the end of games, like I watched the Bulls game 
I've watched, you know, a few Celtics games this year. At the end of some of these games, it just doesn't seem like he gets angry enough, invested enough, mad enough, happy enough when they succeed. It just, yeah, like the whole Kawhi stone face approach can work. But I feel like out of Jason Tatum, they need more. And it's just not happening. And yeah, I, Marcus Smart, like, yeah, I, you probably do have to listen to him if you're shooting under 40% yourself and taking 25 shots a game. I don't know how that's possibly sustainable for a team. He's taking 25 and Jalen Brown's taking 20. So combined, the two players are taking 45 shots a game. I, I also think this is a way for Marcus Smart to not really get the blame, but put himself at the forefront of everything. Because he knows that Jalen and, uh, and 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 Tatum have to pass the ball, but uh, they're, they're they're not going to tell each other like, "Yo, you got to get me to rock more," or you know, maybe maybe they're not in the position where they feel comfortable communicating that or you know saying that to the public, which I still don't think you have to do. But uh, yeah, I, I just really think this is like Marcus's way of just Marcus's way of putting himself at, at the front of everything. It's. You know, I think the one thing that we're not talking about here is I think we're going too deep into like what Marcus Martin is saying, and we're not taking a step back and acknowledging the fact that this isn't something that you should say like to the media. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I I literally just said that. I said, like, I don't I I don't think he should have said it, but he said what he said. And. You know, it is what it is. It's actually kind of funny that the Celtics, this is not some the first time that like something like this has happened for the Celtics. You remember uh, Terry Rozier was like on ESPN complaining about his role. I, I, yeah. It, it, it was like super ugly. If you, want pull, if you want to pull that up, that was like super ugly after they made like a super, like a, it, this was in Kyrie Irving's first year, right? When Kyrie Irving went down with an injury and they made this deep playoff run. And then the next year, uh, Kyrie Irving comes back and Terry Rozier goes back to being like a role player. But then yeah. there was also, if you remember, there was also that fight that happened during the pandemic playoffs in um, in the bubble where like after the Boston Celtics lost, apparently Marcus Smart got into a fight with, I don't remember who, but there was a You're locker right. room yeah. scuffle that <laughs> went down. This situation is way messier than a lot of people are alluding and you know like you said he shouldn't have said it but i think marcus smart knows that and for him to actually come out in public and say something like this that just tells me that like it's way worse than there's letting on like than the media is letting on and when where there's smoke there is typically like a fire i mean yeah and uh Honestly, he hasn't he hasn't really been like shooting it well from three this year. He throughout his entire career, he wasn't really known to be a great three point shooter. Like I always viewed Marcus Smart as like the Boston Celtics, like current age, modern day Tony Allen. Only there's some hope when he shoots threes as opposed to like absolutely no hope when he shoots yeah. threes. To to be fair, um, I'm not sure the quality of shot that he's getting. You know, maybe he's in that situation where he also feels like when he touches the ball, a shot has to go up or, you know, maybe he's getting a lot of late shot clock shots Uh, as a guy that's played basketball at a respectable level. I I know it can be hard to get into the flow of games when you simply know your teammate is not going to hit you or you're not they're not going to pass you the ball when you're open. Not everybody is built to necessarily be a catch and shoot type of guy. Some guys need touches 
to get it into the flow of the offense. I'm not saying Smart's that type of guy. I'm just saying that I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, um, I'll say, yeah, I agree with that. I will say, uh, yeah, definitely playing basketball, you know. If you're playing, honestly, I'm not going to lie. There were several times where if I played with, like, a guy that was a ball hog uh, playing, you know, in the park or playing at the YMCA or whatever, I would just walk off or not. After Yo, game. me too. Me too. Yeah. But like, uh, I'm just, I'm just like, sorry, I'm done. I'm going to just play the next game uh, because I, like, I, I, like, and, you know, I can't play like that. Um, so, like, I completely understand in terms of, like, yeah, these guys are not giving him the ball in the way that he feels like he can be effective. He is shooting a slightly less amount of shots less last uh this year than compared to last year it's not significant enough for it to really matter it seems like but my whole thing with marcus smart is that he might be one of the confusing most confusing players in the nba to me because there are literally games where like you'll watch him uh carry the boston celtics to like a win at the end of the game because he's such like an emotional leader and sometimes his shots fall i do think he just takes way way too many ill-advised threes um, even looking at last season, he shot pretty well from almost everywhere. Shot 53% at the rim, which isn't that good, but it's okay. 53% of the rim, 49% from three to 10, 45% from 10 to 16 feet, 48% from 15, uh, 16 feet to the three point line. Then only 33% at the free throw line, which uh, at the three point line, which, you know, does is a 50% field goal, I guess, if you adjust, but my point is, I feel like Marcus Smart, um, I took a long time to get to this point, but I think Marcus Smart is a better playmaker than he gets credit for, and I think he's a better playmaker than himself gives himself credit for. I think he should stop looking to score a little bit more, uh, as much as he does, and embrace that role as their playmaker a little bit more, but... It's probably very difficult if you have two guys that are averaging 45 shots a game. Like, yeah, how do you even have a true point guard at that point? Yeah, and uh, to add on to what you said, I'm not sure Marcus Smart made this uh, said what he said for himself. At the end of the day, he's right. Um, Tatum, Brown, they need to take that next step. They need to take that next step in their game and, you know, look to play make a little more. If you look at a lot of the best players in the league, not only can they score the ball at a high clip, but they can also facilitate. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's like, yeah. I mean, that's <clears throat> that's the next step in development for a lot of uh, top-level scorers like Jalen Brown or um, or Jason Tatum. You got to look to expand your game in, in order to just become a better winning basketball player. And yeah, assists, uh, just playmaking in general, rebounds, those kind of things. They add up and they show you like what direction this kind of player is, you know, taking things. And it definitely has been disappointing to watch Jason Tatum, I, I would say, this season. Looking at the East right now, currently out of the top eight are the Hawks, Bucks, Celtics, Pacers, Cavs, I guess. Um, but yeah, like you got, we, we've seen Washington yeah, better than we um, thought. Five and two Washington, Sixers are going to be good. Charlotte Hornets have been playing well, five and three. I mean, those 10 spots, yeah. Yeah. They, can get that they just spot, have to be, if, if they're better than the Pistons, Pacers, Magic, and you and pick one random team like that, yeah, they're, they're, they'll, they have a good shot at being top 10. It's just kind of disappointing from like, you know, where the Celtics were to where they are now. 
I don't know what happened fully. Like, I feel like I've got to make a video on this or something just to deep dive myself and be like, where, where, how did the roster end up like this compared to what they could have had, you know? You know, it, and I kind of expected, like, if I I didn't expect them to be, like, amazing this year. But the one thing that I did expect was at least for them to be a cohesive unit that had tight team chemistry. Because they went out and they traded for Al Horford. So the nucleus that was there during their successful runs is still there minus isaiah thomas you know which for the love of god i still don't understand why the celtics don't sign him i don't know what isaiah thomas did to danny ainge or you know brad stevens but for the most part like i didn't expect them to be a remarkable team but i did expect them to not call each other out in the public eye and very early i, th I feel like what's getting swept under the rug a little bit is how early this is you know this is something that you see after okay, we start off, you know, like eight and 16 or something, you know, and you're like underwhelming, you know, like this was something that this, this must've been something that has been bubbling under the surface more and more and more. And as soon as like, literally they collapsed, as soon as the collapse happened in the bulls, boom, immediately said, what are the odds that Brad Stevens saw this whole thing coming? I mean, he still works for them. <laughs> still. Yeah, but in a much less hands-on role. I feel like, yeah. I well, mean, that's now... like that's like a giant fin Like, if I know a mess is coming from the locker room, I'd much rather be the GM that had to deal Tatum or Brown than opposed to the coach that had to deal with this dysfunction every single day. That's a fair point. Also, apparently, he said, we're going to find out if this is the right group. So, yeah. He switched himself over from head coaching to roster construction, which, you know, maybe that goes to say something as well. Maybe Brad Stevens has not been on board with a lot of the moves that have happened and is like, I just don't believe in this current roster currently winning a championship. Um, this is a situation that I feel like we got to just put a pin in because as this goes on in time, yeah, you're right. I mean, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, if they don't like playing with, e with each other, there's nothing that you can do about that. And there hasn't been that much smoke in terms of that, I would say, at least in the public media yet. But it's a situation to keep your eye on, for sure. So, I'm not doing as bad as Korzimba alluded to earlier in this podcast when it comes to my picks, simply because I did pick Tyler Hero to be the sixth man of the year. Record scratch. Feel? Record this. scratch. <laughs> I think Tom might have ruled that you did not pick Tower Hero. What? He went back and watched the tape. What? Go check. Go take a look at what Tom sent you as your picks, Coop. I think you might see a man by the name of Patrick Mills as sixth man of the year for you. Did he not hear me say Tyler Hero? Or did I change it at the end? We'll talk about this later. Continuing on. As of currently, right now, I just saw it, but oh, Tyler Hero sets NBA record with most points by a reserve player in the first seven games of a season. All right. Tyler Hero, bubble boy, the guy several people wrote off. It's currently averaging 22.4 points a game for the a six and one Miami Heat team. He's played all seven games. He has looked really good and um it's going to be very interesting to see because i would say tower hero yeah they added kyle lowry yeah they added um pj tucker sure 
uh, huge, huge acquisitions, especially Kyle Lowry. But Tyler Hero averaging over 20 points a game off the bench as a third-year player. I mean, what do you guys think about this? Because suddenly, when you have an emergence like that, I mean, the, the stats he's putting up, obviously, small sample size, early season. Understand all that. However, he's averaging 22.4, 6 rebounds, 4.4 assists, shooting 47% from the field, um, shooting 40% from three, making about three threes a night. So not a small sample size, not, not a small volume size. I mean, this is starting to get into potential NBA all-star territory if he <laughs> continues on this trajectory. Bear in mind, he's doing this in a season where some of the best players in the NBA are, uh, you know, struggling to put up points after the new foul, uh, after the new rule changes, you know? And, and so that deserves additional props. Um, but in addition to that, something that I just want to give a shout out to, like, um, to uh, Tyler Hero's girl, Katya Elise Henry. You know, like, this is a chick that we were all memeing, especially Laker fans. They recently had a kid on September 14th. Usually, like, in my experience, um, at least in my personal endeavors, people that are family men, you know, once they have a child... They're about their business. They're on their grind a little bit more. It looks like uh, Tyler Hero has a good woman in his corner. Just had uh, just welcomed a beautiful baby girl into the world. Maybe that gave him an extra little push, some extra motivation to uh, really be on his grind. But whatever it is, man, I am so happy for this guy. 22.4 points per game, shooting an obscene 41% from three. Um Going back to the conversation of him potentially being the face of the Miami Heat moving forward, him and Bam Adebayo have been absolutely crushing it. Um, I know, I know, twenty uh, percent. Yeah, I was gonna say this is your uh, this was your statistic. Opponents are shooting twenty. Tom, shout out Tom. This yeah yeah this is this is Tom. Oh, this is Tom's statistic. Opponents are shooting twenty eight percent when guarded by Bam Adebayo this season. That is the lowest mark by any defender who has contested 60 plus shots. So it looks like my I have this theory, if you guys remember, and it applied to both the Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat. And I said that the reason why both of them like are pretty much stunk last year, the Lakers dealt with injuries, the Heat just stunk was I felt like there was some burnout involved, you know, 57 days before, uh, after the final last NBA finals game, an accelerated NBA season. It was a pandemic. They did their best. But it looks like, you know, after some prolonged rest, it looks like the Miami Heat are back to being an awesome team. It wasn't just because they were in a bubble. They're actually a pretty freaking amazing team. The addition of Kyle Lowry is paying off dividends. They're well constructed. And of course, man, once again, you're playing in Miami. You know, I'd be happy to be playing in Miami as well. Um, I'm I'm really happy for Tyler Hero. Can I bring up one huge thing that I think that we should pay attention to with Miami as we continue going forward? Um, it is the fact that, so, yeah, the Miami Heat, you know, they had what a lot of people said was, uh, you know, a premature run. They did better than they th than a lot of people thought they should. And yeah, Bam was a third-year player at that point. Tyler Hero was a rookie. Jimmy stepped up his game, um, and they made an incredible run. Yeah, I definitely can see, you know, by how quick the season started. 
I mean, it's not like Tower Hero had a horrible season last year by really any means. He still averaged 15.1 points a game, five rebounds, 3.4 assists, shot 44%. Um, had a had a. It was just a letdown compared to what he did in the bubble. If you compare it to what he did as a rookie, he improved. Um, but or at least was you know somewhere around there. What I do want to point out though is that currently, and I think this is very important. We are watching the Miami Heat team. Kyle Lowry, we should not underplay the significance of one Kyle Lowry um, as their new main ball handler slash, uh, you know, just facilitator. And two, someone like Tyler Hero's growth as a facilitator. Because it is very clear that the Miami Heat have shifted their offensive priorities in a certain way. And I say that because Bam is currently averaging 20.8 points a game. He averaged 18.7 last year. Upgraded, nothing crazy, but, you know, on the same trajectory is what I mean. Uh, nine rebounds a game last year, 13.8 this year. Awesome, awesome upgrade. Um, just, you know, doing better and in less minutes. So that's great. Huge jumping off the page for me. 2020, Bam averaged 5.1 assists per game. 2021, he averaged 5.4 assists per game. He's been known as a good passing big man. This season, he's averaging only one and a half assists a game. They're not using him in that role of a facilitator. They're not using him in him in that role of where he's touching the ball in certain places in offense to make plays as much. They're using him more as a, uh, of the role of um, finish, do your job, and we've got other guys to facilitate. And I think it's really paid off. I picked Miami to finish second in the East in our preseason standings. And I've got to say, I would not be surprised in, a, in any way if they finished first. Um, they look like such a great regular season team. And shout out. Of course, Jimmy Buckets. Shout out Jimmy Butler. He is averaging 25, 7 rebounds, 5.6 assists, 3 steals a game. He is among the leaders for the MVP race right now in terms of, um, uh, you know, the little, like, NBA Kia ladders that they bring out that are like, oh, who's, you know, the MVP race right now? He's emerged as one of those names, and we'll see. The Miami Heat end up raking up over 60 wins, I mean. Who knows what they'll win? You know, that could be Bam, Defensive Player of the Year, Tyler Hero, Six Man, Jimmy, All-NBA, Second Team. What do you guys think? <laughs> I mean, it seems Those like we all thoughts. agree on this. It seems like okay. we all agree on this. All right, so I just I had the voice of the masses right there. Um, it was good. Yeah, they're, they're exciting. They're, they're exciting. You don't hate them. You know, like, I don't, I don't watch them and I'm like, Fuck the Miami Heat, you know? I feel like, honestly, Tyler Hero, in a weird way, if he had continued his success, would have continued to get, a, like, you know, people, Tyler Hero is somewhat of a controversial player in that some people just hate him naturally, you know? There's some guys that are like that. Like, some people just don't like him. I feel like with his struggles last year at times, it made him a little bit more relatable. And so I do think that people are a little bit more excited about Tyler Hero's success than they would have been. But yeah, I mean, it, it, the guy's averaging 22 a game as a third-year player. We've seen him since he was a mixtape star in high school. You know, he was named Boy Wonder, I think. Uh, I does not translate. Whoever nicknamed someone Boy Wonder, just stop. <laughs> How do you reject a nickname on that one? But yeah, Tyler, uh, Tyler Hero has been awesome. Um, and PJ Tucker has been playing with a vengeance that... Uh, especially when it comes to Milwaukee Bucks that I don't understand. Um, I understand his him playing hard in general because that's what he does. 
But what do you guys think about this rivalry that PJ Tucker has created with the Bucks? I think it's pretty pretty interesting. It seems like a reverse situation of like Ray Allen left the Boston Celtics for the Heat, and so then every the Celtics hated him because they were like, "Oh yeah, like how could you betray us?" It seems like PJ Tucker wanted to resign with the Bucks and made that clear, and they said no, and now he uh, has a real rivalry in his heads with him. Uh, which yes. Which could be amazing come playoff time is what I'm trying to get at. I think it's unfortunate they didn't bring P.J. Tucker back, but um, I also understand the Bucks trying to groom a younger player for that role. I like uh, Grayson. I like Grayson in that role. I feel like he fits well uh, in the role that they're playing him in as now. Obviously, he's not exactly T.J. PJ Tucker, he's a guard, but I would yeah, say I like the addition uh, of Grayson Allen. Okay, is there, wait, wait, is there a hot take for the Lakers that we could name a clip? We stink! We freaking stink. The Lakers stink, man. Like, uh, I don't like, I know people are going to say, ah, Mike, they got a winning record. They're five and three at the time that you're recording this. No, man. We barely beat the freaking Houston Rockets by two points, man. Whoa, whoa, we whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do What did the Rockets do to you? The Rockets no, 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 are a good they, team. They only won one. Bro, they only won one game. The Rockets are not a good team. No, they have talent, bro, but they could beat anybody on any given night. They they have talent, yes. You saw what Jalen Green did. You saw what Jalen Green did. They're still developing. And they're still developing. Okay, for sure. I mean, it's a it's a bunch of talent, but inexperienced talent. And Eric Gordon, you know, like it's nothing. I'm not <laughs> Eric saying Gordon. I mean, yeah. Look, I'm not saying that the Houston Rockets have no future Wait, I whatsoever. Do want to point out that it really is. And Eric Gordon, have you like been watching a Rockets game and Eric Gordon's just out there? How weird does it feel? <laughs> Right? It's like, like it yeah. seems like he's like a relic from the past. Like he was left behind and it's like he shouldn't be here, but like yeah. but he's just with all the new kids. Beautiful, and ain't it? It's so I'm, weird. I think it's so weird. Like I'm like why nah, it's, Gordon, it's, all, it's I'm awesome, like, man. Screw like Eric, Eric Gordon, Gordon, man. Screw sure. Eric Gordon, bro. Um, um like yeah, uh, do you think was, Eric uh, Eric Gordon was you, good at one point? Yeah. <laughs> Eric, until he went to the you, until he went to yeah. the Hornets. Do you think Eric Gordon is like Mike, sitting you're not there? To talk, don't you get it yet? <laughs> do, you, do you think Eric Gordon is sitting there and saying, "Yo, what the hell? Why can John Wall sit out and I have to play these games?" Like maybe Eric Gordon just likes to fucking play basketball. Yeah, I think he wants to raise <laughs> his value to maybe get out of there. Like John Wall sitting out is kind of crazy too, but I, I definitely get it. I just don't think anybody wants to take that contract yeah i don't think anyone What's wants Gordon's to take contract that no one wants to touch oh Bro, that there it is yeah there it is 18 look, look at john wall this too. year 19.6 yeah. next year and 20.9 the year after look at john walls too i was i'm so down bad i was like yeah, the pelicans trading for john wall wouldn't be the worst and i looked at his contract that's, that's, pretty, not that's pretty not bad just to recenter this just to recenter this man look I know what you guys. This Lakers, and I'm seeing how it does. <laughs> I mean, just to just to say, man, like this season so far, I know a lot of the younger kids that are maybe LeBron James stands are probably going to come out my neck because I'm a Laker fan. But this season is so similar to the 2013 season 
where we had Dwight Howard and Steve Nash. Like, I don't think you guys understand how similar it's been so far. Yeah, we didn't start the season 0-4, but we lost all our preseason games. There's questions about fit within the entire team. And we're barely beating, like, first of all, we lost to the Thunder. Fine. It was early on. We're still trying to figure things out. But we're barely beating the Houston Rockets. You know, like, yeah, some people are going to blame the refs. And the other night, they beat them by 10. But still, man, it's just we barely beat the San Antonio Spurs in overtime. We beat the Grizzlies by three. The Suns, like, destroyed us. The Warriors destroyed us on opening night. I'm not going to say that there's no hope for this team, but so far, I really don't like the product that's on the court. It's like the opposite of what the Bulls are doing. I just want to say the, the opposite. I don't even know what that means. We'll, we'll come back to that. But it's it's funny that you guys uh, got 27 points from Westbrook, 20, uh, 27 points from AD, and 30 points from Braun. And only when Carmelo was efficient off the bench with 15 you guys played what looks like a perfect game and still only beat the Houston Rockets by two points. Rockets fans, we're winning. We stink, bro. Like, hopefully <sighs> well, it might. What about Taylor Horton Tucker? I thought, yeah, what about what, him? What about him? Where is he? I mean, we made a big deal out of re-signing him for sure. Um, and he hasn't. He's a torn yet. ligament, a, in, torn ligament his in his right thumb. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm interested to see how much of a role he plays on this team. But with that in mind, I mean, I feel like my thoughts on the Lakers haven't changed much. They're old, um, and maybe too old. Like it might be one of those situations where you put the band all together, you get all the vets. And it works out, or it might be catastrophic. I mean, Dwight Howard didn't play last game. Honestly, Dwight Howard looked like the biggest problem on the court that I saw when I was watching the last Lakers game. Um, I, You look at a guy like Malik Monk, shoots 0 for 3. He takes three shots. How old is Malik Monk? He plays 13 minutes. See, this is the problem, I will say. Uh, Malik Monk was like hyped as... Even during the season, hyped as a better than Buddy Beald, uh, Buddy, Buddy Beald, better than Buddy, Buddy Beald, like <laughs> Buddy Beald, better than Buddy Beald, great, like you know, player, great fit for their system. Okay, that's fine, that's all well and good and sounds great, but then suddenly you have Malik Monk on your actual roster, and he's getting inconsistent minutes, he's getting inconsistent touches, he's now shooting six, he's now shooting thirty-seven percent from the field, six point five points a game, um. That doesn't look good because a guy like Malik Monk, I'm bringing him up specifically, a guy like Taylor Horton Tucker Jr., a guy like Kendrick Nunn, they're su supposed to be the young in this team. And the old guys are supposed to act like old veterans that are here to do a job and win. And there's been some bickering. So I don't like any of that. I'll say that. What do you think, Coop? Yeah, uh, it's definitely it's definitely a mess. I really wanted to see, as somebody that, you know, has a lot invested in the Lakers right now, I just wanted to see what the reaction would have been if they lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder, or not if they lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder, but if they lost to the Houston Rockets. Uh, because, I mean, man, that Thunder loss was brutal. That mellow air ball, are you kidding me? I mean, watching that game was just, I could tell you want to say something, Flight Mike. 
Hey, join the or is club. he wasting his own prime? I'm just saying, man, that Mickey Mouse ring looking funny in the light, bro. Oh, my God. You just extended this podcast an additional 30 minutes. <laughs> All right, for uh, next time. Okay, guys. So, you know what? I would like to point out that as we at, conclude this clip, if you're watching this clip still, if you're watching this podcast still, uh, Lakers have won three games in a row. And we're still talking negatively about them. We are not overreacting to the Lakers. They are. We are literally reacting to a team that's won three games in a row and still have our opinions. But there you go. All right, cool. So thank you guys for watching. Laced up. Please make sure to subscribe, turn on post notifications. At 40,000 subscribers, we're giving away PS5 or Xbox Series X. It's so close. Got to just get it. I mean, subscribe, <laughs> turn on post notifications, follow us on Spotify and Apple and other than that guys we will be having a consistent uh you know recording post date and i'm pretty sure live stream dates uh set up for you by next week just had a few difficulties to start off the season but by next week we will have a schedule ready to roll for you guys thank you for watching we very much appreciate you